Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to the third episode of Hey, One Ah, oh, damn it! <laughs> Every time we always do like three of these. Yeah. I always gotta warm up. That's okay. It's a good warm up. <clears throat> I'll be on the opening crawl this time. <laughs> no. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to the third episode of Wanna Watch AEW, where we ask, hey, what was the name of that tag team? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Junglesaur? <laughs> Junglesaurus. Where we ask, hey, you wanna watch AEW? Fuck uh, yes. I am your host, Ramin, along with Callie across from me. Hey there. How are you, my dear? Oh, just lovely. It yeah. is a clear day. It is. It's It's got some fall. We've got some fall weather. Let's talk about the weather. Everybody loves that <laughs> on a podcast. But we are here, yeah, on the third episode <laughs> of Wanna Watch AEW. I said that already. In Going back in time. Yes. We, Transporting. Yes. Traveling. Like the new day. Uh, back to October 2nd, 2019 in Washington, D.C. at the Capital One Arena. For what? For the inaugural episode of Dynamite, A-E-W. where there are four thousand one hundred twenty-nine people in attendance. Wow, that's way bigger than I thought it was. According to, I believe Jr. who mentioned mm, that on commentary. Yes. I wonder if that's shoes, but you never know. You never know <laughs> yeah. anymore with wrestling. Yeah, it's true. WWF ruined it. Yeah, so tonight we are talking about, like you said, the first episode of Dynamite. This has been something that we've been really excited to cover since we first talked about this. Mm-hmm. I think. Part of the reason I was so stoked that you were interested in this is because I remembered how excited I was when Dynamite was first airing and the fact that there was new wrestling and new wrestling on, t- on Turner, which we'll talk about because yeah. that's crazy. That's yeah. so crazy. So I'm really excited to, to go back through this with you yeah. and just like we'll talk about it obviously at the end, but just having watched this, I'm I'm so excited to keep going through this. Like, I know it's these fun. shows. It's fun that you're rewatching and I'm watching for the first time. Yeah, like I, I feel I, like it's it's a fun dynamic. I agree, and I think there's going to be some interesting perspectives. I think you and I already disagreed on a couple of the matches, or at least mm-hmm. parts of the matches. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. But first, we want to talk about uh, some of the production of the show, like the theme song, which you did some deep dive on yeah what an interesting new theme song that we're all used to now i know uh it's credited to no one hero and the song is called dynamite spoiler shocker i know uh mikey ruckus is on vocals look and yeah he's kind of an interesting character he hustled himself into a job with aew in early 2019 and i believe or at least as of 2022 he was the director of music with aew his twitter feed seems to suggest that he's still doing that i did find an interesting interview on the bandcamp daily website from 2022 where he talks about his process and from a storytelling perspective it's really illuminating He says in this interview, I always look at the size of the individual first and what their overall story is, and I go with a tempo. 
I look for the tempo first, and then I look for a different thing that maybe might tie into their backstory. Interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, AEW doesn't exist in a vacuum. So he also considers the the wrestler's full backstory. Like he wrote Sting's new theme, Arrival is what it's called. That's very similar to the WCW thing. Yeah. And like it's fucking Sting. You can't ignore his legacy. Of course. Right? Right. So Mikey Ruckus started doing themes for indie wrestlers, I think, around 2016. So he had made a bit of a name for himself, I think, and it seems like he had had his pulse on what 21st century wrestling was about and how to capture, you know, the character's essence in a theme song. So that was really cool. Big ups to him um, following him on the website currently known as Twitter. I wish I'd known that going into this because now I'm going to start looking at the music a very different way and yeah. focusing more on how the tempo might match the person. Yeah, that's no, really it's interesting. a really cool that's a good perspective. Um, perspective on yeah. music making, I think, which is something that you're interested in as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, we did look up the lyrics and I, I did consider uh, karaoke moments, no, no, uh, but no. I, I don't sing thrash metal or thrash metal. I don't, you neither do they. Uh, don't diss on that song. That's a fucking, it's no, a classic I, I, I don't wrestling dis- you're right. theme song. Now. I don't diss on the song, but I do feel like it has never been sound sweetened correctly. It has always sounded like it's coming through like a very tin can. I don't know. There's something about it that just does not sound right on my television. Maybe it's your television. I, maybe, but Sony, <laughs> Samsung will have something. I don't know. I don't think it, I, I think that's just the style of music maybe. And you don't really maybe. listen to a lot of new metal. So that's true. I'm very, that bass might he- be my music is usually very bass heavy, so. Yeah, so going into the intro, we've got that exciting... Um, so we're we not going to talk about the lyrics? Are we not? Are we going to skip over that? No, 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 we can t- talk about the lyrics. I mean, I, I put the, the hook of the you song did, in did. here. Yes. Uh, so, you know, boom. Boom, let's go ignite. Elements collide and, and a, a flash, flash of, of light. light. And you feel the... Boom. That, that means, means it's time. Light the fuse, bring the... Boom. Dynamite. Did we do good? I think so. Now, I have a question. Am I feeling it, or am I bringing it? Well. I'm very confused. I would like to know what's happening It's a multi-purpose boom. It's a multi-purpose, no, but I mean, do I, am I feeling it and then bringing it with me, or does the show make me feel it, and then I take it home? I'm well, very confused. then there's a guitar solo, and then we get into um, the visuals. Yeah, the visuals of the, the imagery of the intro is really cool. It shows, you know, all the main players. The box, SCU, MJF, Brit, they're all action shots. And every time at the, mm-hmm. at the impact, you get a splash of, I guess it seems like chalk. It's colored mm. chalk. Is that what it, or like, know, it looks like? a cool <clears throat> texture. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's a very cool effect. And I'm always a big fan of pastels. Same. I am getting undertones of the gay agenda with the rainbow motifs. All right, all and right. I love it. Agenda. <laughs> uh, I do. I mean, I think it's interesting, especially because the ring and all of the ramps and stuff have always been kind of grayscale so for them to be like the the color and the splash it's all the guys in the ring well even throughout you notice the banner around the arena as well has that rainbow motif so correct and and also our cover art that's what well, inspired we modeled our, it after. sure that's what inspired our cover art yes <laughs> now as we cut to the show the, as we sweep through the crowd see all the signs and stuff mm-hmm. The first voice we hear is that of Jim Ross, very old school, mm-hmm. bringing us into the show, welcoming, thanking us for welcoming them into our homes, <laughs> as he has done many, many times before. It immediately felt like watching an old school Raw. Like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't remember that he was the first voice. So when we started playing this, I was like, wow, this really feels like a Monday Night Raw yeah, intro. Yeah. Like, 
Um, and yeah, so explain the, you mentioned the entrance ramp a few times. Explain to me the tunnel situation. Sure. So the, the entrance ramp, for anyone who's watching current Dynamite and maybe hasn't seen this, the old rampway, uh, now you have the, the, the smaller square trons in between the entrances. Uh-huh. But before, they had two tunnels left and right. One was the heel tunnel on the left and the face tunnel on the right. This wasn't verbalized on the show Mm -hmm. but that when when the show was being produced that was kind of what fans were were uh, learn fans learned noticed noticed and sort of understood of the rampway and the intention so it was like a cue maybe it was it was it was something that the the fan base kind of was already informed about Mm -hmm. before the show started Mm -hmm. i think that's a really i think some people thought of it as very carny and and a bit like, oh, this is too kayfabe breaking, or like, you're not supposed to call yourself a whatever. But like, I, I thought you said wrestling is carny. <clears throat> it is carny. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, well, not to not to immediately start jerking AEW off, but like, <laughs> I do like that. I think one of the things that appeals to me is how little they take themselves seriously in in certain aspects of kayfabe. Right. Where they're like, we all know we're suspending our. It's d- kind of like a wink here. and a nod. Yeah, and that's that's fine. Uh, to me, that's fine. I can yeah. understand why people might not be into that. Mm-hmm. They don't want that kayfabe break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think that's really fun because mm-hmm. you can. You're mature enough to live with the cognitive dissonance of sure. This and is wrestling, but also I want to have fun and enjoy. Well, myself and also and... like if you if you love a heel, you're not going to suddenly be sad they're a heel. No. So like go through the heel entrance. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, anyway. And part of the yeah, part of the enjoyment is booing the heels. Yes. Com- completely. Then we cut to the ring announcers. Mhm. JR, mm-hmm. Excalibur, mm-hmm. and Tony Schiavone. Schiavone's here. Schiavone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is my sort of in in <laughs> the kayfabe of our podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, my first and shoots of our podcast. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, my first experience with Tony Schiavone. Uh, So I looked him up. He started with Jim Crockett Promotions slash NWA from 1985 to 1989. He did a... One year stint at the WWF from 1989 to 90. Uh, Not a good year for him. Yeah, well, he was listed as an interview personality for WrestleMania 5. And then he did the main commentary at SummerSlam 89 and WrestleMania 1990. And that was probably his last gig. Um, Of course, he's most well-known for being the voice of WCW Monday Nitro. Uh, He started there as a commentator in 1996. I also saw that he is listed as a producer, uh, which seems to be why there is shoot tension between Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan. Heenan said in 2002, a shoot interview, that Tony would hide finishes from him so that he would be kind of the more knowledgeable commentator. And that, yeah, that pissed off Schiavone and I believe... Mean Gene as well commented on that and shoot. Honestly, I blame that on the culture of WCW more than anything. Yeah, and I think you're going to have some things to say about that once we get into, to, I guess, commentating on Tony Schiavone's commentary. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, he's probably most well-known for what might be the catalyst of the end of the Monday mm-hmm. Night Wars. January 4th, 1999. In spoiling the pre-taped Raw for that week, as they did every week on on Nitro, which was taped live... Mankind was supposed to win uh, the championship from The Rock on Raw that evening. And Tony Schiavone very famously said... That'll put some butts in seats. And of course, there's a whole uh, podcast by that moniker dedicated to WCW. Go check it out. Butts in seats podcast. It's Mm -hmm. very good. But essentially the implication being that, well, I can't believe they give the title to somebody we fired. 
Yeah. But of course, 600,000 people switched televisions immediately. Yep. And it killed WCW eventually. Yeah, I don't think WCW's ratings ever Ever recovered. recovered, No. So Tony was not retained by the WWF when they bought the WCW assets. In 2017, Tony Schiavone called his decision to relocate back to Jim Crockett Productions in 1990, one of his biggest regrets. He said in a shoot interview that he had called Vince McMahon in 1990 and asked for his job back. Ultimately, Vince said no. So Tony Schiavone relocates his family to Georgia. He works as a sports commentator there in the 2000s. He's involved with the Georgia Bulldogs, which is the NCAA Interesting. Sports team at the University of Georgia. Uh, he also did commentary for uh, the Atlanta wow. Braves AAA baseball team, which is b- essentially the feeder team sure. into the major league. So it's pretty high-level baseball. Yeah. Uh, and he also very famously worked as, uh, at a Starbucks part-time in 2015. He says not for the money, but for the experience of being a barista. I can say I was a barista for about four years, not at Starbucks, but a different chain here in Canada, and it was pretty chill. I liked it. If I won the lottery, I'd go back to, to doing that. So, <laughs> so okay, I may be wrong, but if I recall, uh, Tony Khan called up Shivani specifically, right? Not quite. Okay. So what happened is that Bruce Pritchard from WWE Ugh. had called Tony Shivani. Tony Shivani called his agent, Conrad Thompson, about the WWE interest, Conrad Thompson relays this to Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes apparently texts Tony Schiavone, you're not going to WWE. (laughs) Of course, because he loves Tony. Yeah, so the two Tonys have dinner. Tony K wins Tony S over with his filthy Mark knowledge and passion for wrestling. (laughs) Filthy Mark knowledge. And probably money. Uh, So they signed signed him in early 2019. Amazing. So, So surreal to hear Tony Schiavone. Like... I have so many thoughts. I had so many thoughts at the time about this because before, and I, I mentioned this the first time in our first episode and we said we talked about Shivani. When I first heard he was coming back to wrestling, I was like, that guy? Mm-hmm. The guy who who did the butts and seats line? <laughs> the and butts who, and seats guy? Who, and who, who, Bobby Heenan, the greatest commentator slash interviewer slash manager of all time, hated that guy? In kayfabe and in shoes. In shoes. Everyone yeah. hated him. And... Now, after even just like a year, not even after a few weeks of Shivani in 2019, I was like, wow, it was WCW's fault. Mm-hmm. And it was it was maybe Heenan's fault a little. And it was maybe the culture's fault that he worked in. Either way, this guy is an amazing commentator. And I'm so glad he's back in wrestling. And props to, Tony, for, to Cody Rhodes for being for snagging him up. Hooking that up. Because honestly, I think... He is the voice. Like, I love Excalibur. I think of Tony Schiavone as the voice of AEW. I mean, I think both of them are. Sure. Personally, I think Excalibur is, but... But either way, right? Either the way. The fact that they're, they're, they're e- of duo. equal measure is... They're a dynamic duo that... Yeah, absolutely. And the other surreal thing, which is going to go into my next point, is the fact that Tony Schiavone is commentating wrestling on Turner Television. Mm-hmm. Okay? I really can have been chomping at the bit to talk about this. Yeah. Because the fact that wrestling is on Turner Television again, is astounding to me. I want to go through a very, as brief as possible, run through. Yeah, lay it out, because I don't know much of the history, so lay it on me. And this is just the history of of wrestling on TBS. If you want to learn about WCW, read the Death of WCW book. It's fantastic. It's way less dry than you would think it is, and it's just a fascinating examination of how people's minds work. Yeah, Rom, you you gave me that copy, so I'm going to take that home tonight. It's fascinating. So, okay, so wrestling first aired on TBS in 1971, 
So, what, 50 years ago at this point? I can't do math. I didn't think so. Wrestling was a major part of programming on TBS ever since Ted Turner launched his Atlanta UHF television station in 1972. Uh, And he would bring Georgia Championship Wrestling Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And it was a popularity of GCW that basically allowed Turner to uplink his tiny television station to a satellite in 76 and making it the first cable station to go national. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the guy who invented CNN, mm-hmm. who revolutionized 24-hour news cycles and television like, in general. Yeah, I've heard of Turner Broadcasting, but in terms of their how they've promoted wrestling, I don't think I know sure. that. So. And Turner, he was always mm-hmm. kind of into wrestling anyway. Mm-hmm. GCW stayed on TBS for 10 years until they changed the name in 1982 to World Championship Wrestling. Now, the reason that that happened it gets a little weird in 1984 vince mcmahon who at the time was simultaneously expanding wwf and making his father turn in his grave (laughs) by buying up georgia territory that ran gcw as well as the tbs time slot for roughly 750 grand from what i could find in 1984 dollars yes so a lot of money money. yeah uh in an event that is known to some wrestling fans as black saturday GCW fans turned onto their television sets on on the regularly scheduled Saturday GCW show to instead find an airing of WWF World Championship Wrestling. That's right. WWF produced WCW shows in the 80s because Vince was trying to buy all the territories. So, okay. So he bought GCW. Colonialism, hello. Yes, and with buying GCW, he bought the time slot. Now, the trick here is that when he bought the time slot, he promised Ted Turner that he would produce original WWF WCW programming for the time slot. So no reruns, no clip shows, mm-hmm, nothing like mm-hmm. that. Instead, Vince aired what was mainly a recap show and featuring some new matches every so often, but usually matches that were originally aired in the Northeast in WWF All-Star Wrestling or just previous shows because Vince just wanted to promote himself. He didn't want to bring any of these GCW guys. So he, said he, guys. said he was going to be like, "Do I'm going to make this in Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be about the, the Georgia wrestling that you love so dearly. And then he just... Just WWF'd it, oh. like he always does. Like he does now. He does it now. I guess I'm we, not surprised, but right. I'm just a little like, ah. This is, what Vince, this is just what Vince does. He's a virus. Turner was obviously pissed. Sure. And to get back at Vince for it, he did two pretty shrewd moves, which honestly were, I think, are pretty kind of genius. <laughs> in a, in a, in like a checkmating Vince McMahon sure, kind of way. Sure, sure. It's business. Sure. So first, he gave Ole Anderson, the mm-hmm. kayfabe brother of Arn Anderson, a 7 a.m. Saturday time slot to air Ole's promotion, Championship Wrestling from Georgia. <laughs> Why then, 7 a.m.? Because it was right before Vince. It was before Vince's Saturday morning show. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right. And he gave Bill Watts, the worst promoter in the history of wrestling and the owner of Mid-South Wrestling, a Sunday time slot, effectively tanking the already declining ratings of WWF because at the time, fans were bombarding Turner studios with mail and letters being like where's gcw yeah so wws ratings were already tanking turner just turned the knob to 11 and was like fuck it get out of my <laughs> yeah field at oh, that wow. this basically forced vince to sell gcw and the time slot back to turner because he had to cut his losses sure 
<laughs> now, businessman yeah, Turner, right? Ted Turner, I mean, that guy, you, there's worse things you could say about him. So, sure. you know, there were a few more shifts in naming and ownership here and there. Again, read the death of WCW for mm-hmm. more detailed information about this. To. But ultimately, it led to the debut of WCW Saturday Night in 1992, which eventually... Mm-hmm. made way for WCW Nitro on Monday when Eric Bischoff took over as executive vice president of television and WCW Thunder on Thursdays, which forced WWF to create SmackDown. Mm-hmm. The last time WCW or any wrestling aired on Turner Television before AEW was the last where Shane McMahon showed up on March 26, mm-hmm. 2001. That was so, before 9-11. Yeah, it's before 9-11. This was... Nearly 20 years ago, about 18 years ago. So now come October 2019, nearly 20 years from the last WCW show, to say bringing wrestling back to TBS is a shock is a complete understatement. Like, also makes complete sense from a historical perspective, mm-hmm. but I never again thought Turner Television would bring back wrestling because after a while it really became personal between Turner and Vince. Like, Turner just wanted to put Vince out of business. Yeah. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. So it it's... Pretty amazing that, like, now that Ted has kind of backed away from all of that, TNT is like, which TNT is not the full TBS station. Dynamite is on TBS now, but when it started, it was on TNT, which is basically, for Americans, it's like FX. Yeah, the fact that it's on Turner Television, I I keep repeating it, but, like, it's just, it Mm -hmm. still baffles Mm -hmm. me to this day Mm -hmm. that this is happening. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was quite, and then to hear Tony Schiavone announcing we t- we'll talk i talk about it later in the jericho match but just it's so surreal it's mm-hmm. so this whole thing is so still so surreal for me <laughs> you're just having moments of like holy shit this is actually happening yeah, like the, just I, throughout the podcast like sprinkles. well yeah like watching it even yeah watching it with you the other day i was just like this is how did this happen how did this come to be <laughs> getting real existential I know. on us here Anyways. so dynamite episode one are you elite i've got big balls do you whoa <laughs> Match one, Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. Mm-hmm. Guys, it kind of feels like, it smells like, I don't know, it seems like this is a revolution. It's just really exciting. This is the pressure I always wanted that I didn't know I wanted. Your match against Sammy Guevara. Sammy's a young, dynamic athlete, great wrestler. He has a chance now in the very first match to face you. So I can imagine that Sammy Guevara is going to be more focused, more ready than any match he's ever had in his life. Cody said it recently. He's full of potential. I think it's obvious Cody's overlooking me. He's got so many other things where his focus is at. We're going to be the very first match Mm -hmm. on TNT in almost 20 years. I know what I have in my mind heading towards full gear. Right. And I'm definitely not the type of individual that would overlook anybody. Sure. But then I say that, and the last thing I want is for me to get embarrassed. This is the biggest match of my life, not just my career, but my life. And it may not be for Cody, but 100% is for me. I have 100% of my focus on beating Cody. If I, if I take a loss to Sammy Guevara, that changes the title, the title match. I feel that pressure more than anything. Because Sammy Guevara is going to show you what I've always known, and the world's about to find out, is that I am the best ever. So we open with a promo video that shows Cody feeling proud that he's in the first match, but talking about how, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to make the first show be good, not mm-hmm. just his first match. 
Then we go to Sammy, who counters by saying, you know, Cody is focused on Cody. He is focused on everything else that's going on in the show, and he's overlooking Sammy, mm-hmm. which, is, which is bad for him, because for Sammy, this is the biggest match, not just of his career, but of his life, mm-hmm. which seems like the same thing, but never mind. Cody says he's not the type to overlook anyone, but then he doesn't want to be handed his ass on the first episode by a newbie. Right. So he does feel the pressure of how failure changes his title contentions against Jericho Mm -hmm. at full gear. Which is what he's looking towards. Yes. So we see Cody's entrance here. Yeah, let's take less time to talk about it than it took for them to come up from the stage. (laughs) Yeah, Cody and Brandy Rhodes are like rising up on a platform from the floor. There's some sweet pyro. No dog. Yes, no, no animals were hurt this time. Yes. Uh, all jokes aside, though, I I have always loved this intro. It's cool. I, I I a lot of wrestling fans are like, oh, I'm too cool to think this is cool. But honestly, you know, first of all, wrestling has more than one royal family. It's just a rad line. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. so good. I love Cody's entrance music. Although I do still kind of think it evokes like a kid Cody kind of angst. You know, because he's still angry. Yeah, a little bit. And he still uses it even in, in WWE. Yeah. So it's it's just funny. Cody comes out from the middle of the stage. We talked about the and the the heel and face tunnel. Right, right, he actually right. comes up from in between them uh, underneath the stage, which is an interesting conveyance of who he is in the alignment chart, I guess, of wrestling. Sure. So does he use the tunnels going forward? Or? As, as far as I know, maybe he walks back through them. Every so often, because but in terms of his entrance, no, and he's never come out through one. Yeah, as okay. far as I know, okay. he's never come out through one. Interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna take a look for that. Um, oh, and Brandy Rose, <laughs> might I just say, oh my, <sighs> looking M'lady. hot as fuck with like her black and purple hair. She's got a very like flowy white pageant dress. Like she's looking fucking smoking for episode one of Dynamite. She is elite. Raman says she looks very professional. It, that's what he said. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I will say, I've always thought Brandy and Charmelle are the two most beautiful women who have ever been in wrestling. She is naturally so yeah, beautiful. Yeah, just gorgeous. Yeah. The crowd loves Cody here. I'm very eager to track just exactly when that starts to turn. Spoilers! <laughs> then we get Sammy's entrance. The moment she sees the panda hat, Callie utters a visceral grunt of disgust. <sighs> It's not just the look of a wrestler that I want to take seriously. And I really like Sammy Guevara. I want to like him here. It's really funny that we're watching Current Dynamite and last week Jericho mentioned the panda hat. And then our first thing we do this week is watch (laughs) the panda hat. I think we're date date stamping this episode. That's fine. I'm okay with the mirroring. That's really funny. It was really funny. But yeah, I really do want to like Sammy Guevara, but this panda hat is not it. Yeah. Honestly, I wish I could tell you why he was wearing it, but I refused to watch his vlog at the time, and I I still do. Uh, I don't really think it hit me that this was five years ago until I saw Sammy, because he looks shorter somehow. I think he looked fairly... I mean, he looked, like, younger, yeah. Even just, like... I don't think Sammy's Sammy's bulked up that much, but I think maybe he's just, like, learned to define himself a little better. Sure, maybe he just carries himself. I hated that red shirt he was in the other day, but he looked jacked. This guy looks like a baby. (laughs) Baby, but he has got that heel heat. He does. He absolutely does. You can't deny that. Like, they hate the hat. They hate the tongue out all the time. <laughs> they hate his stupid hair. Uh, Sammy's got a good gimmick going on. I can't yeah. deny it. He's a very brash, brash heel. Yeah. 
As Sammy comes to the ring, I'll note the sign on the hard cam that says Vince fears ratings. That's uh, uh, yeah, right. Very direct. Yeah. Vince feels low re- fears the low returns on TV rights. That's what he fears. <laughs> but anyways, at this time they were getting the most money ever and the worst television in the history of wrestling. The match starts. Yes. The match starts with Sammy using both his speed and his quickness to frustrate Cody, who tries to get out of the blocks but can't, which forces Cody to recoup outside. Uh, then Sammy teases a tope, which forces Cody to slide into the ring. But as he does, Sammy stops and does the spinner into the tranquilo mm-hmm. taunt, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Sammy then hits a perfect drop kick, kips up, and does a standing moonsault for so two. Cool. A great opening salvo to show both his speed, his wrestling style, and his attitude. Yeah, and here we see Sammy's posturing. He's showing off. You know, he's being that little kid heel that you really do want to hate. Absolutely. Tony brings up Jushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman in the first ever WCW Nitro match on TNT. And again, it cannot be understated how crazy it is to have wrestling on Turner Television. This is just a recurring theme of today's podcast. So baffling. (laughs) Yeah. Sammy pushes Cody off of a headlock but gets a shoulder block for his trouble. But Sammy kips up immediately and slaps Cody, who then socks him back with a receiver. Yeah. Cody matches Sammy's quickness here. He hits him with a power slam. It's really telling to me here. It seems like it's the story of the tortoise and the hare. You know, Sammy starts off really quickly, but seems to kind of lose stamina a bit here, whereas Cody is kind of, you know, slowly but surely, you know, this ain't a track meet. It's a marathon. But uh, Cody gets him into the figure four, and, you know, this match is still moving at a really good pace. There's only been one rest spot uh, with a headlock, but otherwise, you know, they're speeding through these spots here. Totally. Sammy goes for the ropes, but Cody rolls him back to the center, forcing him to reach for a second time to break the figure four. Not a lot of psychology to the moves themselves, I'd say. I think this match is more of a character exposition for the crowd. Yeah. You know, Cody is the veteran who a lot of them know and maybe isn't overlooking Sammy, but is certainly underestimating him. Yes. Sammy, you know, getting up and, you know, it's interesting you say lose stamina. To me, it's that he's losing cool. Mm, right it's not that his his stamina can match with cody but his inexperience makes him hot-headed ah and maybe a little sloppy yes exactly so sammy has more than you'd expect but too much ego and bravado for his lack of experience Mm, that's an interesting perspective cody trades chops with sammy before taking him up for a long long vertical (laughs) suplex before slamming him down to his front very classic move which i'm a big fan of grew up seeing a lot of those yeah cody shows he's still in the match by doing push-ups expending energy needlessly if i was jr that's what i would be saying <laughs> but again he's still like the storytelling we're getting here is great like both of these guys have this like it ain't a track meet it's a marathon kind of energy yes um and then you know you see uh, sammy kicks out of a cody cutter then cody throws him over the top onto the apron uh, Sammy comes back jumping onto the top rope and responds with a cutter of his own, yes. uh, hitting Cody with that. So. Shivani says, Sammy said this is the most important match of his life and he's wrestling like it is. God, I love you, Tony. <laughs> Sammy hits Cody with a gamangiri, but gets caught with a pump kick because he spends too much time jaw jacking with the crowd instead of following up. See, mm-hmm. that's the ego, the bravado. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so Sammy's outside of the ring. Cody's going for a tope, but then Sammy pulls beautiful Brandy into that the way. son of a bitch. Oh, my God. Now he has a hot wife, so he probably wouldn't do that, but then he didn't. 
<laughs> and JR responds to this by going, did I see what I think I saw? I don't know, JR. Were you thinking about barbecue sauce? What's I happening mean, here? This is un- underhanded, I tell I you. I can't believe someone when wrestling would do that. <laughs> right? He's some sort of shit here. Neither can the crowd, though. Yes, it's true. They chant asshole at Sammy, like, immediately. <laughs> Um, we get an impressive sequence here where Sammy goes for a moonsault from the top rope, landing on his feet as Cody rolls mm-hmm. out of the way. He then immediately goes for a standing moonsault, which Cody moves away from again, but Sammy lands on his feet again, and again goes for a running, standing, shooting star, and finally lands it. Sammy is incredibly agile, yeah. as always been. Yeah, so, so cool. I I love the, <clears throat> the standing, shooting star press, though. I think anybody who does it looks cool. I agree. And this goes back to what I was saying about He's he can match to Cody's stamina, mm-hmm. right? That speed and that 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 awareness yeah. is there. Yeah. Brandy socks Sammy from outside of the ring and gives Cody a chance to hit a disaster kick, but Cody only gets the two count. Then he hits Sammy with an avalanche reverse suplex for 2.9, and the crowd starts a standing holy shit chant. Yeah, how did Sammy even kick out of that? Brutal, so brutal. <clears throat> frustration is written on the face of Cody at a hundred point font, which is a great call by Excalibur. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Cody goes for what looked like a vertebraker, which is an incredibly dangerous move, mm-hmm. but Sammy fights out of it and Cody goes up top, but Sammy vaults up to the top rope to meet him, hitting a Spanish fly for a 2.9 of his own. Yeah. And then we get the first AEW chant of the night here. Well deserved. Yes. My words exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy goes for a top rope shooting star, but Cody gets his knees up. And then he rolls up Sammy for a cradle pin and gets the three to end a spicy, exhilarating, spot-filled match that just came, I think, to the cusp of doing too much or going too long. You know, just a little bit, but it never really went over that. I think it was perfect. I think so, too. I think it was a great opener. Mm -hmm. I think it showed off Sammy's arrogance, his charisma his agility his wrestling acumen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. an incredible opening match for a new wrestling show and a great debut for a young star on an international stage yeah props to sammy for in my opinion having almost zero visible nerves i agree very I, very professional yeah man. sammy uh was really great here i love a scrappy underdog story and his he charisma and his charisma is that like very kind of fuck you energy I think he was the standout of this match for me, but I'm generally a, a Sammy Guevara fan. So, so. I. I'm a big fan of Sammy. I really like the storyline he's going through right now. Tony then goes to interview Cody, but Sammy interrupts to shake his hand. Sportsmanship. But it's a swerve. Jericho blindsides Cody. What? Le, le champion. <laughs> Sammy walks away as Cody gets decimated by the world champion as we go into picture-in-picture commercial, our first of the night. Yes, and then we come back from commercial break to see Jericho still working on Cody. Callie thinks Excalibur called him Cherisho? Cherico? He did call he him Cherico. He didn't call him that. He brought out a chair and he called him Cherico. He definitely didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Ring the bell. See if that'll stop him, she says. Yeah. That's like my favorite like gimmick in wrestling when like it's a brawl <laughs> and like there's no match going on and they're just ringing the bells. Like, I know. It's just, so I funny. love it. Jericho then pushes Tony as he's going up the ramp, which gets bigger booze than the entire <laughs> beatdown day. Right? Everyone loves Shivani. Jericho calls himself Le Champion of AEW. No, Champignon. Oh, boy. (laughs) Le Champion. Then we get a video recap of what we literally just saw. This really felt like a Monday Night Raw. Fuck no, it's Wednesday (laughs) Night Raw, man. I know. Match two, Brandon Cutler versus Maxwell. Oh, my God, it's Max. MJF. 
to Contract Cutler, <laughs> the editor and videographer of BTE and Friends with the Bucks. You did some deep dive on Yeah, on, I didn't do much of a deep dive. I mean, there isn't much to say about Brandon Yeah, Cutler, you know. The, he's an the, important part of the show. The Bucks did train him to wrestle, actually. Oh, I so didn't know that. he, yeah, he debuted in their promotion, I think, in California uh, in 2005 under the name Ronnie Tsunami. Oh, boy. Terrible, right? That is the indiest net wrestling name ever. Yeah, stick with Brandon Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> I briefly looked him up here because uh, he does a lot of AW dark matches. Uh, he does come back to Dynamite in 2021 for a few appearances. So I actually will deep dive his epic by this point. <laughs> right. By 2021, sure. epic <laughs> is a word I could use to describe it. Wrestling career on a future episode. I wonder if he has had his first victory by then. I can't remember. Um, I don't know. <laughs> You'll find out we'll on a future see. episode. <laughs> Anyways, I love his shirt. Yeah, agreed. And then MJF comes out, and as he does, <laughs> I can actually smell Callie's arousal. <laughs> what? <laughs> cut my music. Cut, cut my, my music. music. I have written here, Sammy took 20 minutes to get an asshole chant. Max gets it in 20 characters. <laughs> Swoon. Yep. Max says the fans have the luxury of seeing a star born here tonight as he faces Cutler, a guy who looks like he got lost on his way to his seat <laughs> behind the guardrail. Yikes. He says, just like everyone watching at home and in the arena, he is a complete loser, and he's going to find out that D&D isn't real. It's real to me, damn it! Agreed. But what is real is that he's better than you, and you know it. God damn it, he is so good on the mic. Excalibur needlessly clarifies that Brandon likes, quote, tabletop board games, oh, and boy. that MJF, quote, took advantage of that. Oh, is that what he did? MJF rolled with advantage. Yeah, did he roll a nat 20? What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Oh, is his gimmick that he likes tabletop games? What Excalibur like? His gimmick's that he's a nerd. Are you afraid no one knows what Dungeons and or Dragons are? Gotta say something. Honestly, this whole match just was like a weird tune-up jobber match for MJF to follow the hot opener. I expected more to follow up that uh, very exhilarating match. Sure. Uh, so far, these matches have been kind of these whole segments and matches have been purely focused on showing off the new stars, which is great. Uh, it's, uh, it felt kind of like a debutante ball with referees. It was, it was pretty great. Oh, boy. Uh, this is only five years ago, but everyone's hair tonight is so awful. So? Oh, my God. What is happening with well, Sammy and Max? I mean, I think they have Cutler the has hair. no hair, so he's... he's Cutler has no hair. So he's, yeah. I feel like Sammy's hair is fairly similar. Oh, no. Sammy with the big front shield thing going on? Didn't he have his hair slicked back? Only the front top, the front part of it. Oh, well, whatever. Oh. There isn't a lot going on with this match. No. You know, they... they Cutler cut- is the preeminent jobber. Yeah, he does manage to get MJF out of the ring and, and hits a tope. And number then two. Tope number two. Two men are really quickly back in the ring. Uh, MJF hides behind the ref and then <laughs> sucker punches Cutler before locking him in his uh, Fujiwara armbar. Uh, which, thank you for teaching me that that is the Fujiwara armbar. No I could see it was an armbar, which is um, his salt of the earth submission. And, of course, MJF gets the easy submission because he's better than you. Well, he's certainly better than Cutler. And you know it. Yes, we all do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I don't really have a lot to say about it. It's it's MJF. At this point, it's hard for me to look at it and be like, ooh, wow, this guy's so cool. Because mm-hmm. he is. Mm-hmm. I'm already over it. He's still so, really cool. Yeah, he is. We then throw to Chris Van Vliet, who people now know as like a very prolific interviewer of wrestling personalities, mm-hmm. especially this year, last year. 
he introduces two semi-talented stoners. Ah, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob. They're promoting, they're promoting their new Jay and Silent Bob movie, uh, which is probably not as good as Clerks. I hadn't watched it. But Jericho is in that movie. He, yes, he plays a villain in that in the movie. When Van Vliet goes to Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith says that, you know, he's here to promote his movie that Jericho is the villain in. He is clearly a big fan. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He's definitely, I know he's definitely a big hockey fan, so it makes sense that he'd be a wrestling fan too. Yeah, he's definitely the most comfortable I've seen a, a, a movie star at a wrestling event. Yeah, he seems like he'd be. Yeah. Um, he says he didn't know Jericho would be typecast by being a bad guy in his movie, which I thought was a really good line. <laughs> yeah. But I think he said it too fast for the crowd to really grok what he was saying. Yeah. And before he can say too much more, Jack Evans and Angelico come out. <laughs> To talk shit, but Snoochie Boochie says they're they're not even good enough to win a match, which yeah. is true. And yeah, they're kind of rabble, rabble back and forth and shit. Private Party then comes on the the fan side to sit next to Jane Silent Bob and like have drinks with them, I guess. Kind of like an inti- I don't to know. To show like, oh, we're cooler. We're the faces. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Well, I honestly, I think it was weird because I think they missed their cue. Because there, there was a good like 10 seconds where Evans and, and Helico had to like vamp exaggerated indignation is that what was going on because like it seemed a little drawn out or maybe like it was just tough for them to get through security or whatever to that (sighs) spot or something but i think it just was a little late because jr is at the end of it he's like well if you've never heard of a train going off the rails yeah and i was like yeah no kidding this got a little awkward very quickly they they got their jay and silent bob promo we got we got the story between private party and jack evans on helico you know what if the wrestlers are the most awkward part of a segment like that i'm fine with it yes given the history of those kinds of things yes Um, as evans and helico blissfully leave ringside (laughs) we see the brackets for the AEW world tag team championship tournament which starts next week on dynamite um yeah we'll, we'll we'll go over the teams i think next week week um but scu is in it yes they are and we get an scu promo yeah we see our three handsome besuited men outside of the white house Mm, we are in washington dc after all scorp does an amazing obama (laughs) impression that i will just throw to now instead of even trying to describe it because it's so good my fellow americans thank you for being here today for this uh, special announcement. We here at SoCal Uncensored have done extensive research in the DC area. And uh, through that research, we have found that uh, uh, this is the worst town I've ever been in. Yeah, and then we see Shivani on the ramp interviewing SCU. SCU! Yeah, and your boy Scorpio Sky's on the mic. Uh, and he talks about which two members of SCU will compete in the tag tournament. Yeah, I remember this. He says he's going to sit this one out and let the former four-time tag champs, Kaz and Daniels, compete. Mm-hmm. Which was, I think, the right the right move. I agree. And while, while they're being interviewed, the Lucha Bros come out. Penta says. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Phoenix, Phoenix says. says let me remind you why we're the best tag team in, in the, the universe. universe. Seto, miedo. miedo. 
And of course, it breaks into a pull apart brawl because wrestling is a work. You see, yeah, that was it. I look, I was excited. No, I thought it was a good. <laughs> no, it was a good segment. Very quick. Again, I, these hype are me all, up for the tag team tournament. Yeah, and they're all very snappy segments. You mm, know, other than mm. that promo, which was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it yeah. was really great. And then we cut to a pre tape before the next match. Yes, of Bucks and Kenny getting ready for Jericho and LAX, and then they switch to Jericho and his boys, and you can kind of hear him hyping up his Santana team. and Ortiz. Santana yeah. Ortiz, yes. Match three, Hangman versus the Bastard Pack. Yeah, let's take a little break. Now, I knew some of these matches going in, but when I saw this on the card, I was both surprised and extremely excited. Hangman Page and the Bastard Pack. Yeah, it's so surreal to be going back to these episodes, knowing how top-tier excellent the wrestling was back then, or how I remembered it being, and hoping it still lived up to the memories, which, you know, were surely clouded by the newness and hype of it all, right? Like... I know you're just happy to be here yeah, for the first time. Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> that said, I'd feel the same stomach butterflies if this match was announced in 2023, so that should tell you something. Yeah, that's right? true. So we have these guys coming out. Of course, Hangman Page giving us cowboy shit. Cowboy shit. And then Pac comes out. Now, Pac's entrance and music are so overwhelming and menacing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so much. It's so intense. And Tony even notes that... His mannerisms are both natural and an intimidation tactic. Yeah. So it's like, I want to intimidate you, but I couldn't not if I tried. Yeah, and these guys are beaking at each other before the bell rings, which is getting me really excited for this match. It's true, you do like some jaw jacking. Oh, yes. Excalibur and JR discuss Pac's chip on his shoulder because he's one of the most overlooked and highly skilled wrestlers in the world. Mm. Excalibur notes that he was undefeated for two straight years and still looked past wow. in previous companies. That's not untrue. Mm-hmm. 2019, Raman says, the last time we saw Pac, he put a god to sleep. <laughs> he is the David that all Goliaths fear. Oh, your wrestling poetry. <sighs> Gets you all wet. I can smell it. Yeah, you can smell my arousal. You got that MJF smell on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we can, we're terrible. We, <laughs> we cut to a hard commercial break and then come back to Paige frustrating Pac. Oh, shit, it's Earl Hebner. Yeah. Hide your merch. Your favorite ref ever. My boy, apparently. <laughs> but going into the match, Pack and Hangman spend a great deal of time trading running strikes, then boots, then more strikes, using boots until Hangman runs Pack down with a massive lariat. Hangman isn't taking the same risks as Kenny did in their match. It's very obvious. He's Kenny's match with Pac. Yes, he's taking it to Pac constantly taking full advantage of the one and only lead he gained with that clothesline. As soon as Pac tries to roll to the apron, Hangman's there. He's not jaw-jacking. He's not playing to the crowd at all. He just wants to beat him up and win. Mm-hmm. Especially having lost the world title match, mm-hmm. now he feels like he he's the guy with the chip on his shoulder, if you ask me. The, yeah, he's the lights a fire under his ass. Yeah. Hangman hits the second suicide die of the night. I'm actually wrong. That's the third one of the night. Was we, it the Cutler third? did one. Oh, yeah. Tope 3. Tope 3. Tope, Tope, Tope. Uh, I'd argue that other than the top rope moonsault, I know you and I disagree on this, but I don't think Hangman should be doing topes. Mm. I like I, I don't mind him doing the moonsault and like every so often one spot here and there, but having aerial agility as part of his repertoire is never really never really fit for me. But again, you said you don't even like when he does the shooting star standing shooting star. I press. mean, I think it's impressive. I just don't think it fits with cowboy shit. 
You know, cowboy shit to me is like stomping mud holes and, and beating <laughs> a dude up, which is 90% of what Hangman does. And then all of a sudden he does the shooting, standing shooting star. I don't is- know. I think it's cool. I think the shooting star press is a super cool looking spot for any wrestler, Hangman page included. Uh, and in this case, it allows Hangman to get Pack into the corner. He seems to have control right now. Um, but then, you know, you see Hangman relent for a very brief moment to which JR says... He's burning daylight. <laughs> burning daylight there. He's doing He's burning it. It's burning. Can you smell it? I smell daylight burning. He says it like nine times. Does he? Yes. <laughs> well, that was a pretty good, that was a pretty good impersonation. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you, ma'am. I have some oh, barbecue geez. sauce in the back for you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Pac sees his opening with that and immediately guillotines Hangman off the top rope from the outside. Yeah, now Pac's trying to repay that beating. He follows up with a springboard moonsault yes. from the apron uh, to Hangman on the floor. Flippy shit that Pac is actually known for. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> As the crowd goes into dueling chance Pac hits a top rope springboard 450 so for cool. two so cool. i actually think he i don't know if he was trying to like soften it a bit but mm-hmm. something about his jump off the top rope was just a bit like his rotation wasn't full speed i guess <laughs> he could have been faster it's true well, i mean you know he could have hit it harder i guess <laughs> okay okay um while this crowd is primed to cheer for pretty much everything yeah. i do feel like the the matches are getting the characters across really really well Especially for a first episode of a new show in wrestling, this entire episode feels like they were intent on telling as much story as possible with as little mic time as possible. Yeah. Which is still, you know, even with more promo time on television, I think still AEW's best feature. Yeah. All killer, no filler, I say. And again, telling a story in the match and through wrestling itself is so much harder than having all these mic spots, right? Agreed. 100%. Hangman fights out of a turnbuckle spot and then rocks Pac with a super kick. It was actually perfect. Yes. Uh, he lifts Pac for an avalanche fallaway slam, which Excalibur calls a blockbuster again incorrectly. <laughs> it's the second week in a row. I should do his job. Are you wrong? Or is he wrong? No, he's wrong. It's 100% a fallaway slam. All right. <laughs> he then hits Pac with a capture flapjack, I think. It, that's... All I could really think of what to call it, but then gets two off of a lazy cover. Yeah, and the commentary tries to, like, cover up this lazy cover by saying, oh, he must have been out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, okay, so as we cut to a commercial, JR calls the commercial, Blake, an obligation, which is the most honest anyone in wrestling has ever been about an advertisement. Yeah, all ad breaks are now commercial yes, obligations. That, that is now a gimmick in this podcast. <laughs> we will be calling them obligations from now on. Uh, but, you know, back from the break, Pac is still talking Shit, feeling invincible. Hangman comes back though very suddenly, nailing a spinebuster, and then lifts Pac for a dead eye. But Pac holds onto the top rope, mm-hmm. landing on the apron. Then Pac goes for a top rope, nothing, but gets hit with a forearm and rebounds off the rope into a pop-up power bomb for two. Mm-hmm. Earl Hebner checking on Pac, asking him where his merch is. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Were you doing that in a JR impersonation? Too? Yes, but I don't know why. I think I just saw the quotes and I imagined it was JR doing it. JR knows him the best, right? So. He would know, right? Yeah. Uh, Pac tries to avoid Hangman by sliding to the outside, but he gets caught with that gorgeous outside moonsault. Mm, he gets Pac yes. right back into the ring to try and go for the, the buckshot lariat, but Pac's able to avoid it. Hangman gets Pac into a waist lock, but Pac meal kicks Hangman right in the balls. Yeah, so when he gets him in the waist lock, Pac goes to the ropes, and the ref is in between Pac and the ropes, so he can't see them. The ref doesn't see. Pac then goes up to the top and hits a black arrow on Hangman's back, and then right into the brutalizer. Hangman goes out almost immediately, 
and Earl calls for the bell, then sprints to the back to raid Hangman's locker. <laughs> <laughs> Hangman's pack stout. Yeah. Pack gets the dirty win. Um, Hangman now has two recorded losses, and Pac has two recorded wins. Yeah, so so far, Pac is kind of the number one guy in the roster. Yeah, and honestly, two submission wins. Like, he looks fucking powerful and scary. I was really sports entertained by this match. 100%. Uh, you know, even with the dirty, dirty win. I mean, I don't... Yeah, a dirty win, and, and it kind of becomes a feature of Pac's character. But it also... It's interesting that a guy can cheat like that and not seem, like, weaker somehow. Yeah. He still puts a Hangman Page in the same submission hold that he put Kenny in. It's and true. Kenny passed out. And I mean, how are you going to get out of a move that killed God? <laughs> so yeah hangman page I, I think still looks strong because that ma- that that move did kill god yes it's and true. he got kicked in the balls right beforehand could you imagine the no, agony no i cannot i mean i can but i don't want i to. can't you're very lucky <laughs> uh we get a promo for our next pay-per-view full gear so far the match card has kenny versus john moxley oh my god i cannot wait for john moxley Cody versus Jericho, which I honestly don't really remember. and uh, But we're going to rewatch it, too. <laughs> well, moving on to match four. Nyla Rose versus Rio for the AEW Women's Championship. Yeah. Title match. Title match. First, we get Britt Baker DMD with her entrance music, and she is looking <laughs> ready to doctor and not to wrestle. <laughs> Looking good, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Now, uh, JR, back in the day, was known for, you know, whenever someone would swear or say something uncouth on television, he would be very quick to, my ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, I must apologize for this wrestler's behavior. And uh, I must apologize for my first JR apology of the night, <laughs> which I think will be a running thing as Uh-oh. we go forward, because he is not fla- faultless. I just I mean. love him. For saying that Shivani drew the lucky straw, getting to sit next to the pretty lady. Oh, I bet Brit is silently wishing she brought some anesthetic <laughs> to shut these old men up. I mean, only JR. She loves Shivani. Her and Shivani are like legit friends. Yeah, I mean, I think she loves JR too, but I mean, it's... Yeah, it's true. Anyway, it's a little bit... <laughs> it was a little, it was a little, it was a sign of things to come. Anyway. JR never really figured out how to talk to, about women in the modern era. <laughs> Dr. Baker. <laughs> Dr. Baker, the pretty lady. Good God, Jim. She's a doctor. Yeah. It took her eight years to get her DMD. You know, to his credit, he does immediately go into her professional life and her accomplishments. So she she does say, yes, she does say, as you said, it took her eight years to get her DMD. Hopefully it won't take her that long to be a champion. Mm -hmm. She said that. I'm not making fun. Mm -hmm. Jared does recover by saying it proves she's willing to take a long road to reach her goals. Like a professional. Like a professional. JR is there. <laughs> the two contenders come out. Nyla Rose is looking amazing. <laughs> ready to fuck shit up. Oh man, her makeup looks great. The black and gold gear is so slick. And then obviously I also toot Rio's look and her little kawaii entrance that we see very similar to What is a toot? Toot and boot, it's a drag race thing. Okay. Oh, if that, you know, that's you fine. know. If you don't know, that's fair. That's fair. I, I love the looks. Yeah. There is definitely a crossover there. There might be, yeah. You know what? I hope there is a crossover. There absolutely is. GR says Rio's size and strength are only stats, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yes, they're stats <laughs> that denote her strength and her size, Jim. <laughs> like, it's okay. We know that it's kayfabe. Yeah. You don't have to keep reminding us for fear our concentration on your illusion spell will break. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> right? 
<laughs> Jokes aside, though, I did think back to 2019 that this disparity was a lot for me at the time. So I don't blame him for trying to dissuade mm-hmm. my opinion at that time. It's just funny in retrospect. Yeah. But one of the few times I had to actively suspend my suspend my disbelief watching wrestling, at the time, the idea of Riho beating Nyla, it just seemed preposterous. Yeah, but I think as this match goes on, it really becomes less disparate. Like, we see... Nyla using her strength and Rio using her speed and both women play this up the strength versus speed and I think um Britt Baker even mentions that on on commentary yeah yeah so. you're right as the match starts she reminds us that Rio doubles Nyla's years of experience despite only being 22 yeah which is nuts yeah Rio starts the match by taking it to the larger competitor knowing that she needs to stick and run you know hitting her with kicks mm-hmm. giving her running strikes and then Taking her down, actually, pretty quickly with a hurricane run. Yeah, but Nyla quickly comes back up. She uh, gets a shoulder tackle and a splash. Again, using her size to make her moves against Rio look effortless. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my apologies again for Jim Ross. With this line where he says, My sheet says Nyla weighs 185, and if that's true, then I'm 3'4". She's 200 pounds if she's an ounce. Yeah, and like I know he's trying to talk about their size disparity, but he's... Uh... But he's only talking about her size. Yeah. It's yeah. just... JR throws to Brit, making it worse somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> saying, it's hard to train for someone like Nyla, right? There's no one like her to work out with. And then Brit grits through it, just saying... <laughs> right? I guess you're right, JR. God, yeah. And then... God, just the sound of her doing it. <laughs> I wish you guys could see it. It's, it's how I would talk to my grandpa if he were still around. It's how I talk know? to, like, most people. <laughs> but besides the initial flurry uh, that Rio brings, Nyla has complete control of Rio up to this point, really using her size and her weight to wear Rio out. Um, she puts Rio into the STF submission hold and makes Rio drag her with her weight to the ropes, which Rio eventually does, so... Yeah, but it, it definitely seems like it's taking... It took a lot out of her, and mm-hmm. the commentary makes note of that, which was really good. Once she's out of the hold, she gets taken up into a vertical suplex, but she slides out, fighting out of a waist lock and hitting two running knee strikes, sending Nyla to the outside. I feel like the crowd at this point... And, and I think this is one of the places you and I disagreed in retrospect, because I felt like at this point the crowd... Wanted to be into the match, but I still didn't think that they really bought into Riho. I think maybe, like, and I could just be projecting for sure, mm-hmm. but I think there was definitely an element of, this chick's not going to win, right? Yeah, and I, I kind of I think just, they were waiting for something. Yeah, like, at this point, I disagree with you. Like, I I noted that um, they were chanting, let's go Rio," and she was able to break the submission hold. They are into this match for sure, and you know what? In all fairness, they're into both wrestlers here. I agree with that. I do agree. Nyla carries Rio around the outside of the ring, hitting backbreakers as she goes. Nyla then picks up a chair for some reason, <laughs> but the ref pulls it away, and then Riho tries to sneak up on Nyla, but gets woman-handled. Oh, is this your attempt at political correctness, No, it's his, it's his going to the well, actually, because he's been woman-handling since, since fucking 1998. Oh, boy. Well, Nyla now pulls out multiple chairs and lays... Yeah, what is happening? Lays Rio <laughs> on the chair pile on the ramp side of the ring. Like, um, I know the refs are blind and dumb, but what's... Yeah, you know, and then, well, I mean, it's a cool spot, though, 
because Nyla goes for a senton onto Rio Ooh. and only gets chair as Rio's able to roll and evade. That did not look pretty. Yeah. I mean, it looked great, but it looked painful. Yeah, and I think this is when you said that you noticed the crowd really come alive at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think that was the spot where the crowd was like, oh, wow, we're going there. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, the crowd continues to be into this match. Yeah, Rio then jumps off the steps and double stomps on Nyla's chest, which looked so much more impressive because how small she is. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not that high. Yeah. It's actually worse than doing it off the apron. The apron is higher. It looks cool. It was cool. No, I'm saying it looked really cool. The wrestlers then get back in the ring, and Riho gets a stomp to the spine, but can only get a near fall. She then applies a cross face to Nyla as we go into commercial obligation. <laughs> commercial obligation. And I think this is after the commercial obligation. Rio tries to get a back body drop after reversing out of Nyla's, yeah. Nyla's powerbomb attempt. Uh, but Rio completely collapses. And I, I, I even back then and even now, I couldn't tell if that was a botch or part of the match. But I remember thinking back then, like, why would she try that? Yeah. Um, but, you know, in 2023, I can definitely buy into Riho a lot more. I think I have grown as a fan and as a as a, you know, analyst of media, hobbyist analyst of media, I guess. And I think I accept the suspension of disbelief a lot more mm-hmm, now than I did mm-hmm. then. I mean, I think that Rio. I'm just really... glad that she didn't like get squashed from. Yeah. Like, if it was a botch, I'm glad that Nyla kind of rolled off her. It. Yeah. They. Pl- if it was a botch, they played it off. Yeah. Um, and Nyla immediately like jaw jacks to the crowd. So yeah. She distracts from the botch. Yeah. By taking and the heat. and Rio's able to avoid Nyla's power bomb. She gets a roll through for like a really close near fall. It was like a great. Uh, pin attempt from a technical standpoint by Rio and like the crowd and I both thought she won like yeah. that was like a 2.9 um, the crowd's humming I you know they're they're like really I think wanting Rio to win I agree I think at this point her tenacity just kind of won them over they're yeah. like oh she could actually win this yeah uh, and as soon as they realize that they wanted her to which is yeah. awesome yeah right? cool. that's great Nala then goes up top but Rio joins her hitting shot after shot on Nyla to weaken her for an avalanche northern lights for near fall, but she couldn't hold down the suplex through the impact, Yeah, which either kayfabe or shoot is just a really fun way to play that mm. that spot. Yeah, and Rio hits double knees on Nyla to the face and finally gets the three, and Nyla kicks out just too late, and the crowd erupts. Yes, absolutely. Uh, While I didn't think they were into it at the start, Rio absolutely won them over. It's a really good match. It told the story of a really tenacious big versus little match, which I'm always a fan of. Mm -hmm. If done well, it's one of the best stories you can tell in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And it brought the crowd behind the face by the end. Nyla looked great here, too. And I remember in 2019, I was shocked she didn't win. because Not because, you know, Rio was small or anything else, but more just because... I got the I had the impression at the time that Nyla was the home star and Rio was a visitor. Yeah. I didn't really get that Rio was like a signed competitor. That's fair. So when when Nyla lost, I was like, wait, aren't they pushing her? Yeah, so you think Nyla should have won? I don't know about should have in retrospect. Yeah. I just expected at her. That, in 2019. In 2019, maybe, I was yeah. surprised she wasn't the one getting the push. Fair enough. Between fair the enough. two of them, you would think you'd set up a monster heel for someone to then destroy. Sure. Well, I mean, I would have been happy with either of right. these two wrestlers winning. Uh, you know, I agree that this was a really great match for Nyla, even though she lost. Like she, like her kicking out just after the three yes. count. Um, you Does know, protect her a bit. She still gave it her all. You know, I think the story we're seeing is the technical experience of Rio, and her speed just beats outsize at the end of the day. And this is, you know, something something sex poetry. David Goliath sex poetry. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus. Um, and they are. But building... you're not wrong. It is. It is. It's that story. Again, and you right? know what? They are building the the, the heel heat for for Nyla as yeah. well. Because after the match, we see some guy. Uh, yeah, Michael Nakazawa. Some guy. To you, he would definitely be some guy. Michael Nakazawa. Just uh, as honestly, I don't know much about him. He's. I think he's another one of those Cutler type guys who's friends with the elite he's in from the Japan. Yeah. And came along with them. As a production guy, and but I think in this case it was because he speaks Japanese and Rio sure. didn't speak English much sure. at the time. So Nakazawa comes out to interview her in Japanese, but then Nyla takes him out. Riho almost escapes, but Nyla grabs her and tries to give her the Death Valley driver on the apron. But God, and by, <laughs> by that I mean Kenny, comes out to save her and smite Nyla. <laughs> yes, divine smite. Design um... fight. Divine smite. Design fight on design Tyler. fight by from the god of pro wrestling. <laughs> Ooh, design fight. Yeah, I like this. Oh, uh-oh. match We're home brewing now. We're home brewing now. Yes, our own. We also like the tabletop games, Excalibur. Yeah, what the. F- <laughs> will we also spell it out for us? Will, we, will that also be taken advantage of? Main event <laughs> time. Yes. Who are we? And Helico and Jack Evans. <laughs> match five. The Elite versus Jericho and Santana and Ortiz. I really got to stop calling them LAX because that's not what they are. <laughs> now, as we as we enter this match, we're actually coming back from commercial break. Yeah. And the crowd are chanting, you deserve it. For what? I'm not really sure. Yeah, the commercial obligation omitted some of the context, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're obligated to. The Elite get a Marvel intro video package before going into the BTE theme song. The, the Elite. The, the, the Elite. elite. The elite are wearing matching gear. I'd love to know how your yeah. thoughts on this. Yeah. Oh man, I love this coordination. They look like a trios team here. Inevitably. Oh, they have the you know the neon green and black gear. It looks like the young bucks are wearing maybe their merch shirt. I couldn't really tell. Probably. Um, I was I was chanting the elite. The, the elite. <laughs> it's true. And Kenny's vest makes him look so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he is so cool. He is so cool. Um, yeah, no, it was it was cool entrance. Yeah. As Justin Roberts announces the match and the time limit, JR exclaims, I love TV time remaining, before throwing to a commercial obligation. Right. This is what, we, what I mentioned last week about JR being very particular about... We come back to Santana and Ortiz's entrance. I love how... St- this is going to sound so corny when I say this, but that's fine. I love how street Santana and Ortiz's, Ortiz look <laughs> and behave. Their swagger and demeanor is really intimidating to me, but also has a hint of, like, earnestness. Like, you know, like that TV kind of trope of if I do right by them, they'll do right by me. Yeah. Character. Like, they know, like, the street code of don't rat, don't, don't fuck, fuck around, because you get what you give. Exactly. Um, then Painmaker, our champion. Chris Jericho comes Le champion in. Without crowd... the spiky jacket. No, he had the spiky jacket. Did he ja- have the spiky jacket? Yeah. Oh, I thought he had the leather bomber. No, no, no. He had the spiky jacket. The crowd hasn't learned the lyrics to uh, to Judas yet, but... Bastards. I... <laughs> what are we going to do here, know, right? right? Um, but they are, they are cheering for their champion. It's true. It's true. Rightly so. At this point, I take a moment to remember how surreal, again, it feels to hear Tony Schiavone do commentary on a Jericho match on Turner Television. It's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, but I will say... I love wrestling, and I am always deeply heartwarmed when this, like, rarely rewarding industry does right by someone like Tony Schiavone. Mm. Because whatever people said about him and however he behaved back then, he got short-shrifted by basically everyone he worked with and was in a hellish environment in WCW Mm. where he had to say some of the worst most insulting shit yeah you know including making fun of jr being told forced to make fun of jr's bell's palsy 
Like, not really? cool. Yeah, they talked about they talked it out years ago, but mm. yeah, it's an ugly thing. He did he did ugly shit on. I television. mean, I know I know when I was looking him up, he did. Um, there were some interviews where he talked about you know I really regret not regret, but like just look back and be like, ugh, that was me as a I know. person. Yeah, like, 100%. You know? And I don't so, blame him. So it's great that he gets this resurgence. I think it's so yeah, hard. Yeah, mad respect, Tony Schiavone. JR says a six man is hard to officiate. I agree. It's also hard to recap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the match starts. We have Santana and Kenny in the ring. Kenny wants Jericho, though. And, of course, Santana obliges, but only for Jericho to take Santana back in. Mind games. Fuck Yeah. Santana tries to back body drop Kenny, but he gets kicked by God for his impudence. <laughs> and I hope people don't get tired of me doing that. Then Santana gets a basement drop kick followed by a guitar crusher. I do love the basement drop kick by anybody. Yeah. I think it's a cool, clever move for somebody to drop somebody to a knee. I yeah. think it's nice. Yeah. And then Santana rolls out of the ring and Ortiz comes in using the lucha tag rules, which you taught me about last, uh, week. last week. So if one teammate rolls out, another can come in and then they're the legal man. Yes. Very interesting way. And keeps the keeps the pace up, I think. Yeah, if only immigration worked that way. Uh, luckily, not relevant for the Puerto Rican <laughs> boys, but you know, maybe Jericho the Canadian it's should true. be worried. Poor Phoenix. <laughs> Ortiz gets a hurricanrana rolling out and forcing Jericho to come in. Uh, Jericho chops Kenny and counters a hurricanrana with an attempted walls of Jericho, but the Bucks give him a super kick. Party. Then they take out Jericho's entire team with a baseball slide corkscrew plancha combo. <laughs> then That's a whole mouthful. I know, right? Then Kenny sets up for the th- rise of the Terminator, running plancha. He boxes with God. <laughs> Throwing him outside and brawling through the crowd, effectively taking Omega out of this match. Mox is unhinged, beating the shit out of Kenny as they head to the back. Yeah, and as they fight, they get to a (laughs) VIP area, which looks like it's just a weird concession corner decorated with this garish red carpet that does not fit the space. It is not color corrected for television. No, it's got, you know, a couple of sofas, a couch, a glass coffee table. Uh, sure, you could call it a VIP for a wrestling show, but there is a marked lack of feng shui to no, the space that is very distracting to the trained eye. Mosley hits the Death Rider on the glass table! Ah! <laughs> now, in my memory, this spot was really ugly, but watching it back now, it's like the safest thing ever. Yeah. I remember it being like, oh, he made him bleed and he put him through glass. Oh, God, he kicked the shit out of him. And now I'm just like, oh, that was the very nice, kind Death Rider he gave him. Yeah, like it looks Kenny like... he took none of that table. Yeah, Mox takes the brunt of the real-looking glass table, as is his fetish. Yes. But Kenny is completely protected. He lands on the couch. Uh, this is the last we <laughs> I see. Feel, I feel like Moxley demanded he be the one to take the glass. <laughs> Yeah, as is his fetish. Yes. But, you know, this is the last we see of Kenny and Moxley. To be continued. After commercial obligation, we come back to the match. As the Bucks really try to stay in this, but Santana and Ortiz just hit multiple tandem moves. They do a really cool sequence here where 
Um, they they trade off doing moves to Nick Jackson. Mm-hmm. One does a crossbody. The other then does a senton. The other then does an assisted moonsault off of their, their partner's back. Then a standing jumping headbutt, but all of that only gets a two count. Mm-hmm. And then Jericho goes for a lion salt, but Matt gets his knees up. Ortiz cuts him off before he can make a tag and knocks down Nick just for good measure. Santana and Ortiz work really well together. They're incredibly smooth. They're very quick uh, and seem to have a lot of ring pres- ring awareness, but they're also distinct in their personalities and somewhat in their movesets. You know, Santana is a bit of a flyer. Ortiz is a bit of a mm. manic brawler, and mm. they're both nothing to fuck with. Yeah, I agree. They seem really coordinated as a tag team. They're working well in tandem to isolate. Um, I think it's Matt Jackson that's in the ring uh, yeah. still. Um, I think they should have been in the tag team tournament bracket. Uh, and you know what? But I really we'll see later why they're not. Yeah, and you know what? I am on a future episode gonna do a deep dive into their wrestling careers. Um, so that's incoming. In a future episode, we'll learn a little bit more about yeah, Triple Yeah, especially uh, interesting now that uh, Santana's back in the company. Mm-hmm. As a 2023. Yeah. Nick finally gets a tag and hits a bulldog lariat combo to knock down the Cubanic duo. He kicks Jericho in the face and then double stumps Ortiz in the back. Then runs across the ring, hops onto the top rope, and does a moonsault onto Santana to the outside. Nick is incredible. Mm-hmm. They then go for a Meltzer driver, but Jericho intercepts with a code breaker. Santana then hits a cannonball in the corner on Nick mm-hmm. and throws him into Jericho for the Judas effect, and Jericho's trio gets the victory. Honestly, this whole last few minutes is a bit of a blur for me. Like, it was so fast paced. Uh, my notes just say. Nick hot tag flippy shit. Jesus Christ! Uh, it was really a fun you spot fest. Stop, you gotta stop handwriting your notes. <laughs> I like it. it. Keeps me. It keeps me organized. This was a fun spot fest of a main event that I think prepped the crowd to be sent home happy. Even though the heels won, and you know they continue the the beat down, uh, attacking the Bucks, who of course are short a man because yeah. we haven't seen Kenny Omega. Uh, and then the short Cody, of God. short of God, uh, they, then they get the man Cody, uh, <laughs> who runs down to a save meager mortal. Yeah, he runs down to try and save the Bucks, and then Sammy comes up from behind with a low blow on Cody. Yeah. Then Dustin Rhodes comes to the Cody's aid, hitting a power slam on plenty on everyone. And oh my God, it's Jack Swagger! Oh. What the fuck? <laughs> Jack Swagger, named Jake Hager here, which I may be his shoot name. Yeah, I, I don't uh, know comes in out of nowhere and just starts beating down Cody and Dustin. 2019 Ramen was absolutely shocked by his debut. Immediate We the People chant, which I think here was respectful in this case. It wasn't like a Husky Harris situation. (laughs) As Hager clears the ring of the faces, they get piled up in the middle of the ring together and Ortiz puts a table in the ring. Hager then gives Dustin a messy gut wrench powerbomb on the table, which kind of just refused to break. Yeah, it was a big I I think it was the way the table was like built because I, I don't know. think the legs were like it didn't look like a it didn't look like a wrestling table I think he maybe grabbed the wrong table I think so too but Cody then gets held up for Jericho who takes his time hitting a Judas effect yeah we end the first episode of Dynamite with all our faces destroyed as Jericho's new faction currently unnamed stands tall and we'll see Dynamite again next week in Boston wow
Okay, closing segment. So, what did you think of the first episode of AEW Dynamite? Are you elite yet? I am, well... Has it made you elite? I think I'm elite. I just want to watch more wrestling after watching this. Like, I... There's high energy levels, minimal filler segments. Very minimal filler segments. All just action, elite action. Was there a full promo segment? I guess the SCU one. There were a few, like, I think pre-taped. And yeah, I guess the interview for the... But that was promoting the tag match that we're going to... that's what I'm saying. Just like one live full interview. I don't think that was the only one. But no long, drawn out... Long, 20 minute... uh, they're telling the story with the wrestling yes what about you what did you think of the first show yeah i i generally agree with you i think it was very well constructed the card i think Mm -hmm. the matches were all interesting i don't know that i agree with the decision for the tune-up match for mjf but i think they're you know in retrospect they probably were saving his like wrestling debut because he's actually an incredible wrestler and not just a great talker Mm mm-hmm but yeah, overall, fantastic. I think the only, like, not even a, a, a bad spot in it is that I think the in, the production is is an interesting thing for me to focus on as we go because, you know, the first episode is always going to be rough of any show. Okay. It's always going to be a rough cut. So it'll be interesting to see what changes as they go mm-hmm. and what, you know, I think some of the camera direction and maybe some of the cuts and stuff were a little mm-hmm. sloppy here and there, but I think it's something that will be interesting to see going forward. And I think that's why you kind of want to focus on like the back end sort of behind the scenes. Yeah. Who's doing this and, um, you know, how awesome are they? Yeah. Because we, we are really circle jerking AEW here. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We're not for... here to complain about the product. No, just about JR occasionally. Well, yeah. Give us a little rundown of the sort of fallout from the show after it had debuted on television. Yeah, so the first episode of Dynamite garnered a whopping 1.4 million viewers, probably the highest numbers they'll ever do. (laughs) And certainly some of the highest numbers that wrestling had done outside of WWE in forever. It was the largest television debut on TNT in the last five years when it debuted, which is a huge number. Now, something I'll be keeping track of as we go is what the IWC, the internet wrestling community, Mm -hmm. that cesspool of villainy, called the Wednesday Night War, which is the fact that the exact same night Dynamite debuted, WWE moved NXT to a two-hour television time slot on USA Network, having previously been exclusively aired on the WWE Network. Mm Mm-hmm. Debut of NXT on USA averaged 891,000 viewers, so Hmm. quite a significant difference Mm -hmm. between the two of them. I mean, NXT was a known quantity at that point, and it was still also being put on the network, so they had a bit of a a challenge there. And as we'll discover going forward, the things that I found interesting to track here, and not for the same reasons that a lot of other people did, which is a lot of like comparative non-analysis mm-hmm. you know what i mean to just like to just like promote one or the other i think a lot of fans like to just sort of fight each other about which oh yeah is better that's so exhausting Ag- agreed but i do think it's interesting to look at the age demographics of the companies mm. because one thing that dynamite will continue tony will continue to tout in the next few years of the first few years of AEW is not not necessarily their ratings unless they're huge, but their ratings in the 18 to 49 demographic, which for the debut of Dynamite was 878,000, whereas NXT had 414,000. Mm. And as we'll discover going forward, 
The tracking on these stats are especially interesting because what we'll find is that WWE's main demographic is 50 plus. Wow, it's rude. A, You're no, like alienating no, a no. whole group I mean, of people I mean, here. It's a, what I mean is it's a PG-rated show, and the key demographic is everyone 50 and up, whereas this is a 14A well, show. Well, is that their key demographic, or is, their that, main, the, is their, that the people who watch it the it's most? Their, it's their people who watch it the most, but that's their main demographic. Sure. Right? Whereas this 14A show is watched by 18 to 20 or 49. It's just an interesting... Well, because it's 21st century wrestling. I agree, 100%. And it sort of forced, did not force WWE to get better with their storylines? It did. It's just interesting to me that when people at the time were complaining that WWE was way too kid-friendly, the majority of people who were watching it were adults. It's just that, It's just an interesting yeah. you know, te- factoid more than anything. Hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to to discuss going forward. But yeah, I think this was an excellent show overall and I think I think wrestling has a bright future ahead of it in 2019 from the debut of this. It certainly made me excited to watch next week. Mm-hmm. But I did come away in 2023 feeling like I wish there was more, which is a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Wow. It's well, like I, mean, I want to know more about these people. I want oh, to know Yes, I'm not I'm well, not expressing then we're going to watch the next episode. That's what I'm so saying. Tune so it's in. a it's a good it's a good it's almost like let's give them too little instead of too much and want them to have more. And I think that's that was a good uh, okay. direction. Okay. Yeah. So not necessarily like a bad critique. No, no, no. Per not se, at all. But like a... Just, a, just an observation. Because when you say I wish there was more, I'm like, oh, that's like such a reductive critique. Like, no, give me more. But that's what you what said when uh, your first note is I want to watch, I just want to watch more wrestling. That's all. Oh, I, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So it's in that same vein of yes. like, I'm fucking stoked. I'm like, stoked. let's go replay yeah, some like fucking OSW wish, right wish, now. Yeah. It's like, I wish there was, I wish there was a more of a promo segment because I want to know more about these people. So it's sure. like, it's interesting. Yeah, it's great. I guess two weeks from now, we will talk about the second episode of Dynamite leading into the Full Gear pay-per-view. The episode is called The Inner Circle. Ooh. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to us, you can find our email at wannawatchaw at gmail.com. We are on Twitter. What is our handle? Wannawatchaw. At want to watch AEW. Uh, and if you can give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcasts, uh, apps you use, and Stitcher isn't a thing anymore, Spotify, that is the best way to support us. If you do want to send us a buck or five to help our fledgling uh, podcast grow, you can find our Patreon at AEW on Patreon. And uh, other than that, we hope the people of Earth have an excellent two weeks. Woot woot. Ramen Kelly on a Wednesday. Wednesday.